G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to be talking about how we prepare ourselves for a culture war. You might be still coming to grips with what that means. How do you reconcile what the church teaches with the idea that laws are changing in Australia, contrary to what our Christian biblical understanding of what is true and is right. How often have you heard the cry of people calling for a separation of church and state? As a means of neutralizing Christian perspectives from influencing those issues that are facing the nation. Well, as a Christian believer, you're wondering about the risks of speaking up, asking, is it all worth it? Asking who'll be alongside you shoulder to shoulder to fight the good fight with an enemy that takes no prisoners in a battle of ideas. So who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? Well, you may have heard me talking about the upcoming Church and State Summit. It's on in Brisbane next Friday and Saturday, the 23rd and 24th of February, and I understand there are still places available, and you can register at churchandstate.com.au. We're going to talk through some of those sorts of issues that will be addressed in the Church and State Summit. Uh, Three special guests to introduce us to, Jim Wallace, Kira Lee Smith, and in just a short while, John Anderson. Jim Wallace is retired Army Brigadier who commanded our SAS forces in the first Gulf War and a former managing director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Also, Kira Lee Smith, who's founder of Halal Choices, an outspoken opponent of political correctness and a member of the Australian Conservatives. As I say very shortly, we'll introduce John Anderson, former Deputy Prime Minister and former leader of the National Party of Australia. But to Jim Wallace and to Kira Lee Smith, a special welcome to the both of you. First of all, to you, Jim Wallace, welcome. Hey, thanks so much, Neil. I will just correct you, though. I never got to the Gulf War. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I did command uh, SAS and Special Forces, but it was before the Gulf War. <laughs> okay. Well, that was before the Gulf War. Well, I stand corrected. <laughs> and Kira Lee Smith, welcome to you. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for having me. Uh, to you first, Jim Wallace. Um, when we talk about this ho- whole idea of uh, the changing shape of Australia... Uh, from all of these days and your continued connection with the Australian Christian lobby and you've seen the ups and downs, the roller coaster of what's happened in the marriage debate and for years and years you've been monitoring these things along. We are seeing a very significant change in the shape of Australia, aren't we? Yes, there's no doubt we are and uh, I think it's uh, broader than that. Uh, it's uh, it's very much right around the Western world, you know. Uh, what would have at one stage been happy with the... Uh, uh, being talk, called Christendom, and uh, and you get more and more concern about these changes, and particularly uh, in those places where they've been going on the longest. You know, if you look at uh, North America, you look at Europe, and uh, certainly, you know, people are seeing more and more that we are moving very much away from our uh, Christian base. You know, the Christian foundations on which uh, the West was established. 
Uh, oftentimes we talk about looming threats, uh, agendas that are pressing in on the legislation that is being made in our parliaments. This is something that, uh, Kira Lee Smith, you've been very intensely interested in, particularly with the rise of Islam. And, of course, there are lots of different agendas here we'll talk about today, but uh, your interest in the way that the shape of Australia is changing. Yeah, well, and it's it's something, you know, it can be out there and very philosophical, I guess, on one level. But for me, as a homeschooling mother of three, you know, middle-aged, middle-school-aged children, this is, you know, it's so confronting to see these changes in our country. And I am very concerned about uh, their future, but also what's happening today and how it affects them. So I think it's, it's something that, you know, it'd be nice to uh, just, be on my farm, plant my veggies, look after my animals, but we can't do that because the world is changing so rapidly and it's going to have very real consequences as it already does for all of us. You've been particularly interested, Kira Lee, in the rise of Islam in Australia and you're the founder of Halal Choices and you've been a campaigner against Halal, uh, what some people will say is like a tax on Australians on the food products and all sorts of products that we might buy. Uh, When you are talking through issues about even rising uh, alternative religions, uh, do you think that people are coming to grips with the fact that, yes, these things are threats to the way we live our lives in Australia? Look, no doubt in the last few years, I think that people are really starting to wake up because it's in our faces every day now and we're seeing the consequences of open borders, of uh, cultures, multiculturalism that keeps cultures separate and doesn't promote integration and harmony and unity that we would want to see. Um, we're also, you know, with the global... Uh, communications that we have with Facebook and, and all social media outlets, we see the consequences of these religions that we can't just live all, you know, in peace together. There, there are some very real issues that must be addressed. And for me, the halal is the way to uh, raise the issues considering Sharia. And as you and I have spoken before, Neil, on this program, that I've been to those countries. I've seen the consequences of Sharia in those countries and I don't want to see those consequences played out here in Australia. Jim Wallace, when we talk looming threats, of course, as part of the Australian Christian lobby, and you've been alongside the likes of uh, Lyle Shelton and uh, the crew there, and of course you've got a new managing director now, uh, Mm -hmm. Martin Isles, but this LGBT agenda creates a significant threat to the way that Australian society has functioned uh, now for 230-odd years. Uh, What are your thoughts about the shape of the looming threat of of this LGBT agenda? Yeah, well, look, uh, I suppose, uh, and and I'm probably sensitive to this because I am a a soldier, you know, I... um I, I can't help but address these things in a, uh, a, a soldierly uh, battlefield sort of sense because we are, and the Bible tells us we're in a spiritual battle. I think the important thing is we've got to always remember it is a spiritual battle, you know, and uh, there's no sense in which uh, that this is a physical battle or we as Christians, you know, should go in there looking at it in that way. But I, I think in uh, both Islam, you know, that you've just uh, mentioned with uh, Kirali that uh, obviously there, there are huge consequences uh, of Islam um, and uh, we have to be aware of that. We, we have to be aware too at the same time that we have to demand freedom of religion for everybody nonetheless. You know? And uh, I personally have no concern 
that if uh, the Christian religion, if Christ is, uh, is competing with Islam or any other religion on a level playing field in which there's freedom of religion, then Christ will prevail. I have no doubt about that. Now, I guess in, the, in a similar way, uh, this LGBT um, agenda is a threat because it's been, uh, it's been wielded by activists who have a definite antipathy to the church. They do not like the church. They do not like faith. And, and unfortunately, and uh, maybe there is justification in this in some cases, a lot of the people involved in it are actually carrying you know, wounds from bad experience with the church. You know, and we've got to acknowledge that as well. But nonetheless, there is an antipathy to the church. There is a real desire to um, force the church out of the public square, which, of course, is very relevant to this uh, conference that's coming up. And uh, we have to make sure that Christ's influence is not pushed out of the public square, whether it's by those who want to um, promote Islam or those who want to promote uh, the LGBT agenda. Interestingly, Jim, when you say that some of the opponents of the church have had their own very poor experience with church, been hurt in some way, and this would be historically correct too, that some of the some of the worst uh, atrocities in history have been committed by people who've had a bad experience in the church, people who were a part of the church, but because they had maybe a lukewarm experience, perhaps they were abused by certain people within the church, that they've gone full circle and become enemies of the church. How do you come to grips with the idea that that we have to have this balance, a certain level of compassion, and yet standing strong for issues of truth? Well, I think uh, it goes back to uh, you know our, our central motivation as Christians, and that is that we don't do things in our own power. Uh, we do it in Christ, you know, and if we really believe that, uh, then our responsibility becomes to present truth, uh, but not to see these people as people that uh, Christ doesn't love, he does, and, uh, and, and that is the balance to me, that, that allows Christians to stand up to um, object, you know, and oppose those uh, aspects of Islam and uh, and the LGBT um, agenda and others, you know, the the abortion agenda. It allows us to stand up and to speak truthfully into that debate, but without demonising people. Uh, all the time, approaching them from the point of view of uh, Christ's love. And uh, I'm very disappointed, I suppose, that I think that one of the reasons that so many Christians stand back and don't get involved is because they feel to speak up is to be unloving, you know. But, you know, really, if, if you're loving, you won't want people to come under the influence of Islam. If you're loving of people, you won't want them to come under the influence of the LGBT agenda or to see them become uh, victims, whether as babies or as uh, mothers, of the abortion agenda. So... You know, I think we've just really got to look at what love is. We've got to apply it in the way that we, um, in the methods we use. Uh, but, uh, by, you know, after all, we have to speak truth. You know, we have to be Os Guinness's impossible people and speak truth into the environment in which you find ourselves. Kiralee Smith, what are your thoughts on yeah. love here? Because uh, those are great uh, points that uh, Jim Wallace is making. If we talk about love, uh, how does that feel and how does that fit with you? Because you've had to find yourself in the middle of some heated uh, discussions uh, and in some ways uh, expressing love doesn't always come comfortably, but it's still an expression of love. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with what Jim was saying there. Uh, the simple way I look at it is that uh, all people are valuable. You know, Christ died for all people. So people themselves are valuable. It's ideas or ideologies that I think we challenge and that we can uh, go for. Uh, I don't think that, yeah, the fight is never against a person or an individual. The fight that we take, as Jim said, is a spiritual battle and that is in the realm of ideas. So whether it's uh, Islam as an ideology or the LGBTI ideology, abortion, whatever it is, uh, it's engaging with those ideas. And, you know, I'll say to you, you know, just this morning I've replied to two emails from gay men who uh, feel very alienated uh, by the LGBTI community because they're conservatives, they voted no, uh, they don't feel like there's any place for them because, you know, they're rejected on every level, but they... They reach out to me because they know that as people, they're valued. We might have differences in the ideas or the practices, behaviours, but as people, we can engage. And I think that we need to keep that front and centre. And I'll just say quickly too, I agree with uh, Jim in that uh, the Bible is very clear that Jesus is the truth and God is love. Jesus is God, God is Jesus, so truth is love. That we, we don't need to separate those two things. Truth is love and we can stand confidently in that. I wonder whether it might be the least loving thing to do to hide the truth and not speak up. Yes. Jim, let me come back to the idea of church and state and knowing that the church is now under pressure, the state appears to be having an upper hand, changing the laws, ignoring the voice of the church, and uh, those might be generalizations, but uh, there is a sense in which that's happening. As a military strategist, (laughs) when you come to these sorts of challenges as a culture war, there are people on two sides here, a battle of ideas. Uh, How do you come about the idea of a strategy uh, from the side of the church uh, in order, maybe not to get the upper hand, but in order not to be lost in the detail and pushed off to the side to have your say? Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a very good question. I think that's a central issue of this uh, conference, and that is that... uh, uh, the church simply has to understand, and if you, you put it to me, if I think about it in a, a battlefield context, you know, and I, I think it is useful because, uh, as I said before, we are talking about a battle. It's a spiritual battle, but it is a battle, and by that, what I mean is that you've got people with opposing ideas trying to manipulate the space out there, you know, and uh, it, it's dynamic, you know, so it has all the characteristics of a battle. Now, in a battle, what you do is you make sure that uh, you look to have the greatest influence over the high ground, you know. Uh, now, that high ground, even in today, when we, of course, have uh, a battlefield that's so uh, much digitised, uh, I suppose, you know, uh, nonetheless, high ground is still important. The high ground in any nation is the government. Uh, the government in Australia, here in Canberra where I am. It's the government in Queensland where you are. Uh, But that high ground actually uh, sets, you know, the agenda. It sets the the values. uh, And uh, therefore, it's very, very important that Christians are having an influence, and I'd say the major influence, into that high ground. We can't expect to take the total uh, influence, you know, until Christ returns. Uh, but we should be bringing Christ into that high ground so that the opposition, you know, the enemy in this, who's ultimately Satan, is not controlling that high ground. And as you said, uh, we see more and more evidence of the fact that he's controlling it more and more. 
uh, because uh, we're seeing the consequences of that. The consequences for children, uh, as Kiralee mentioned, with uh, things like safe schools, uh, we're seeing the consequences um, for communities uh, where the influence of um, agendas such as uh, uh, those of Islam, you know, take over. Uh, all, all these things have a negative impact on people that only a Christian influence into this high ground of government can really um, counter. All right. We are going to continue our conversation in just a few moments. Uh, some amazing points that are coming out in our conversation, looking to the greatest influence over the high ground. The high ground is the government. If you're looking for context, when it comes to church and state relations, the church can't be uh, in the background. The church needs to speak up. It needs to have influence. It needs to influence the high ground. Well, we'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. Jim Wallace, retired Army Brigadier and former Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Kiralee Smith, founder of Halal Choices, an outspoken opponent of political correctness and a member of the Australian Conservatives. Very shortly, we'll introduce into our conversation John Anderson, former Deputy Prime Minister and former leader of the National Party of Australia. Back with more in just a few moments. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Something of a preview to a church and state summit that's coming up in Brisbane, Queensland, next Friday and Saturday, 23rd and 24th of February. As I understand it, there are still places available. You can register at the churchandstate.com.au website. Special guests this hour talking through issues of church and state and some of the challenges ahead of us here in Australia. Jim Wallace, re- retired Army Brigadier and former Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Kiralee Smith is also with us, founder of Halal Choices, a member of the Australian Conservatives and also welcoming into our conversation John Anderson, former Deputy Prime Minister and former leader of the National Party of Australia. Uh, John Anderson, a special welcome along to you. Good to be with you all. And, uh, of course, uh, Jim and Kiralee still with us on the line as well. John, we've been talking about the high ground, and as we talk about a strategy, uh, words of wisdom and insight from Jim Wallace about how you might form a military strategy for influence in a nation. He's suggested that government is the high ground. Uh, What are your thoughts on just how important it is for Christian people to be considerate of just where the decisions are made and what the high ground really means well uh, Paul encouraged Timothy to pray for that we would be uh, well governed and that order would prevail uh, and societies where order prevails work better in the same way that a universe ordered by God works better so we should be mindful of government but this absurd militaristic secularism that we're now seeing that wants to say the separation of church and state means that Christians should be banished and Christian views should be banished from the public square is a historical and a scriptural and an intellectual nonsense of the first order which will only make our society much the poorer and frankly in many ways it's in a fairly poor place already so we need to turn this around positively and point to the contributions that Christians have made and can make, and indeed that our whole Western model of freedom is based very, very deeply uh, in, in the concept of the worth and dignity of every human being. 
John, let's run with this for a moment. As you say, it is a nonsense to think that Christians ought to be separated from the way we talk about the high ground government, a nonsense to think that Christians have no say. Uh, Let me ask you about your perception of traditional relationships between church and state here in Australia, and uh, there might be international uh, and historical reflection too, but uh, the idea of church and state in Australia, it's always been a, 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 uh, I guess there's been tensions, but there's always been a good relationship, hasn't there? Well, it really stems from, uh, we've inherited most of our institutions from Great Britain and some from America, and so really in a sense they were the trailblazers. Uh, the idea of separating uh, religion from government, of course, is a relatively recent idea, and here's the irony. Where do you find it? In the societies and in the uh, governed in the forms of democracy that was set up by Christians. Immediately begs the question, so who was it that decided they ought to be separated? Well, actually, it, it comes from Romans. Uh, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, and, that, uh, and unto God that which is God, implying there is a secular world it's separate from Christianity and, and faith. And in fact, here's the rub. Our forefathers essentially, one of them separated the, so that the church would not be compromised or seek temporal power because it's always weak. And it's weakest when it seeks temporal power. Uh, they never envisaged that a Christian worldview would be scrubbed out of the marketplace, out of the central square, because they actually recognised our society was based on a Christian worldview. So, uh, you know, I mean, if you start to tear the, tear the foundations out of it, you might say you don't like the building, uh, but if you pull the foundations out, the building's going to fall over. Now, we might say we don't seem to like our society now. We, we seem to have got to that point. A lot of young people seem particularly to have been filled with sort of poisonous ideas, I think, about the democracies that we live in. But the blunt reality is you pull the foundations out, it's going to start to fail. Uh, you know, it has to. And that's what we're witnessing. Uh, let's bring in uh, Jim Wallace, your perceptions on uh, the relationship between church and state. No doubt you've thought through these issues over many years. Yeah, well, look, I think John's covered it uh, very well. And I think just to um, uh, a thing that really reinforces what John's saying is that uh, a number of American uh, leaders, um, at least two of them presidents, one I know, John Adams, I think was the first to say it, said that our democracy, so he's referring to this uh, democracy that was established, you know, by the Americans um, in, in their form, right, but uh, a form which was, uh, I think we'd agree, probably the forerunner, more the forerunner of where we are today in terms of placing the, the monarchy where it is, but um, uh, certainly he said that a Democrat democracy is established only for a religious people. Now, this this is this is very precise, you know, only for a religious people. If you think about it for a moment, um, the reason for that is that you cannot have all the freedoms that democracy gives. You know, democracy gives more freedom than any other government system, uh, certainly any that have worked over time. And so you can't, you simply can't have people with all those freedoms unless they relate to each other in a Christian way. Unless, you know, at the basis is a Christian way of relating to each other. So this, to me, you know, is very precise. And this says that our system of, of government will just gradually break down if we don't pull ourselves back to realizing that it's only for a religious people. I mean, there is a theory that says 
that uh, democracy as a system, you know, can only really last about two to three hundred years, because the reality is that if people don't relate to each other uh, at the most fundamental level as Christians in a Christian way, then uh, they will keep voting themselves selfishly. Uh, you know, there's more and more entitlement until there's so much entitlement being demanded by people that the whole system collapses. Now, I, th I think we see that starting to raise its head from time to time, uh, even in Australia, you know. And so this notion that uh, democracy is only for a Christian people, I think, is very true. And what you're talking about is the call for and the demand for a virtuous standard. And if the government is the high ground, uh, setting the virtuous standard in law, uh, somehow or other there needs to be some sort of comparison. Otherwise, you just have arguments between two different ideas and uh, one might prevail and uh, another one then uh, you hope might raise to the future if it seems a better one. But then uh, really a standard of virtue is important here. And John Anderson, coming back to you, when we come to the Bible, uh, biblical truth, Ten Commandments, uh, those sorts of things, they do create a standard that is above humanity and uh, create a, a very solid place to actually say this is what the virtuous standard is? Uh, Western law is essentially based in, in commandments. Not many people are aware of that. It doesn't matter whether they're aware of it or whether they like it or not. That is the reality. We're watering it down now, but it is the basis of our morality. None, none of us, of course, live up to it. None of us, at least of all me. And the good and fantastic news is, though, that... Uh, that central figure in history, the central figure, Jesus Christ, did. Uh, and uh, he can impute to us the righteousness that he displayed. We then, I think, are freed and emboldened to seek to emulate his model and to be good citizens. In other words, to love one another, having been loved, to love one another. And I think that lies at the basis of a truly free society. See, the problem with freedom is that it's negative and it's positive. Negative freedom is freedom from fear, anxiety, depression, unfair trials, murder, these sorts of things. Freedom, in a positive sense, is freedom to be what we can be. Now, the great problem we have when you lose sight of a higher authority and a loving authority is that we turn that freedom to be what we want to be that freedom from, from, from judgment uh, and freedom from hatred and freedom from uh, fear into uh, a willingness to respond positively and to do the right thing. It's actually the freedom to be the person I ought to be towards my family and my neighbours and my society. So increasingly as we lose sight of the Christian view of Christian uh, freedom, freedom becomes license. It's my right to do whatever I choose, whenever I choose, rather than freedom to be what I ought to be under God. And the irony, of course, is that uh, we find ourselves in one exercise, type of exercise of freedom, we lose ourselves in the other, and that's what's happening to us at the personal level and at the societal level. Uh, I don't want to sound overly negative about this. We can carp on about the failings of our society. Um, as I think back over the last 12 months, I find it easy to despair at a great deal that's happened, but I, I need to pull myself up and say, hang on, there's a great deal of rejoicing as well. Mm. There are unbelievable numbers of Australians now, I think, galvanised, aware that we're going to pass on a mess to our children. 
John, I need to cut in. We'll continue this part of this conversation after Vision National News. We're about to go to news. Uh, three guests with us today, Jim Wallace, Kira Lee Smith, and former Deputy Prime Minister John Anderson. And we're back with more after Vision National News. You can contribute to our conversation on our Facebook page, Vision Radio. Uh, back with more as we discuss church and state shortly. Jim Wallace, Kira Lee Smith, and John Anderson. Jim Wallace, retired Army Brigadier and a former Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Kira Lee Smith, founder of Halal Choices, an outspoken opponent of political correctness and a member of the Australian Conservatives. And John Anderson, former Deputy Prime Minister and former leader of the National Party in Australia. Uh, those three guests with us, they'll be a part of a lineup of uh, who's who of speakers who'll be talking at that Church and State Conference next week, churchandstate.com.au. Let's come to a very significant issue that's happening right now in the nation, and that is the Ruddock Freedom Review. Uh, this is a review that was uh, it was handballed uh, to Philip Ruddock at the time when the legislation went through for same-sex marriage late last year. And there are some significant issues with that. In fact, uh, people were making submissions. The submission deadline, it finished this week, in fact, uh, on the 14th, and there'll be a report sometime very soon from that Ruddock Freedom Review. Kira Lee Smith, if I come to you first, uh, you've been uh, concerned about the sorts of things that will be discussed and religious freedom in Australia, which is what is under review. What are your hopes and aspirations for what might come from that review? Well, I'm fairly sceptical, to be honest, at this point uh, about the outcomes. Um, I, you know, I have some hope that the voices will be heard and there will be, you know, some sort of reasonable outcome, but... Uh, my fear is, you know, and the general perception, particularly of, you know, the 40,000 odd people who follow me and interact with me, is that uh, the, the media in particular and even the, the politicians have taken the view that Christianity is irrelevant, outdated, even dangerous uh, to our society. And so there's a lot of appeasement that goes on for every other religion, uh, whereas Christianity is is aggressively attacked in many ways. And I can give you some examples. I think we've all got many examples we could use in that. But for me, during the same-sex marriage campaign, uh, I simply put up a photo of me on Facebook holding my no vote. And that photo went viral. It had over 2 million views and thousands and thousands of interactions and comments. Now, most of uh, the negative comments that came my way, they weren't just uh, a disagreement, that they were very... There were threats, there were... Uh, you know, vile and foul language that I won't repeat, all with the hashtag love is love. I've also since had many, well, uh, sorry, a number of businesses refuse uh, to serve me or uh, interact with me and my business um, as a result of that. So I've been penalised for holding a view that at the time was the law and, you know, has been a historical fact. Uh, not just in this country, but in many nations around the world for a very long time. So whether whatever the outcomes of this review is, the reality is there is a lot of difficulty now for Christians in this country who hold the view of traditional marriage or whether it's about abortion or Islam or whatever it is that are actively being persecuted, uh, perhaps just in thought. Um, I've had to move house because of threats on my life for the way I have spoken out against Islam. So there are true physical dangers. We've seen what happened to Margaret Court. We've seen what happened to Lyle Shelton, to, to so many of us who, who have spoken um, 
just just quite respectfully and simply about our Christian views, but there are penalties now in this country for doing so. So I think it's a very important review, but I'm going to hold uh, reserve judgment about that review until the outcomes are finalised on that. Jim Wallace, uh, your thoughts, not a lot of optimism from what might come from the Religious Freedom Review? Well, I think we've all, always got to be hopeful, you know, and I think as Christians we've got to be marked by uh, hope and not fear, you know, So, uh, but we've got to be realistic at the same time and we must realise that uh, we're having this review as a, a tactic, you know, to, make, uh, to avoid having to address what were very real consequences of the same-sex marriage uh, uh, legislation, uh, consequences specifically for freedom of religion. Uh, so this is a critical issue, you know, it's a critical issue for the church because uh, the ability to actually uh, preach the gospel, to get out there and speak about Christ, to bring him into uh, any domain within society uh, requires freedom of religion, you know. So um, this is something that I hope Christians everywhere have realised that they've um, uh, activated themselves to uh, actually put in submissions. I certainly hope that, and, and I believe that the uh, the nominations uh, have certainly done that, and Christian organisations, because it it is without any doubt critical. It should be critical to us as Christians too, because um, uh, if if we have an environment in which there is no freedom of religion, um, certainly it's not critical to God. You know, God will still achieve His ends. But I'm sure the fact that uh, we as a nation will have pushed Christ, if we, if we remove freedom of religion, will have, will have pushed Christ even further uh, off the throne in this nation, I'm sure that hurts God. And so therefore, you know, th- that should hurt us, you know. It should hurt us that if there is an environment in which there is no freedom of religion, in which the, uh, we cannot speak Christ into the public square, then that public square becomes less and less Christ-like. And as a result of that, while, you know, inevitably God in the end will achieve his purposes, nonetheless, in the meantime, there are going to be a whole lot of casualties who would not have been there if we had an environment in which uh, people were able to engage with Christ, to know of Christ. And so um, this is extremely uh, critical for Christians, and I hope that not only have they uh, put their submissions in, but they'll continue to monitor it, continue to speak up uh, and uh, look critically at whatever... Uh, whatever conclusions and recommendations it comes up with. John Anderson, lots of Christians will have put a submission in and the Ruddick Freedom Review will no doubt come up with a list of recommendations. Uh, When we're talking optimism here of how religious freedom might be protected, what are your thoughts on the chances of any of those recommendations actually being legislated? I'm not overly optimistic. Uh, I think that uh, to be honest, I'm not trying to be party political here. I'm simply stating what I believe to be the truth. I don't believe... Well, the Greens have made it plain they think there's too much for the freedom already. Um, the crossbenchers seem to be unenthused by the importance of this issue and the Labor Party will, I think, uh, go with the progressive worldview, despite the fact that uh, in fact, uh, the uh, review uh, conducted in the Senate recognised that at the level of international law, uh, Australia is in deficit in protecting religious freedom in this country. Uh, and in fact, uh, that um, our protection of freedom of speech and freedom of religion are quite weak, particularly
particularly at state-based level in, in Australia. It is a serious problem. One of the great problems we have is that uh, we've airbrushed history out of our understanding. Uh, if people actually understood where the freedoms they're now abusing came from, they'd recognise that they have their genesis in a Christian worldview. And one of the great ironies in this is that, of course, that the LGBTI community used that very freedom of speech uh, to progress their cause as a minority because freedom of speech is more important to minorities than it is to the, 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 the bulk of the population. You know, if you're on the side of the majority, you don't need protection and freedom of speech. Nobody's going to stop you. If you want to put a different view, if you're a minority, then you need protection and freedom of speech and recognition of your right to speak to your deepest beliefs and convictions. Now, that's been used by the LGBTI community. And now many of, well, I'd say that, you know, I'm not going to blanket accuse them of wanting to silence um, people who are Christian, but many of their supporters do, as Kiralee has discovered. Uh, and they uh, display the sort of hatred, the sort of motivation that essentially is destructive of human society and leads to conflict internally and externally. I, so why do I, I, I want to labour these points because, uh, you know, to finish it, a free society is one in which minority views are not subject to mob or state for sanction. That's the first point. A flourishing society is one where genuine pluralism applies and everyone's allowed to have their say and to ask their questions. Let me put it this way. Any court will tell you that ignorance of the law is no excuse. Those who would shape our society, the elites in the media, uh, in academia, but most of all in our parliaments, when it comes to understanding our freedoms, ought to remember that ignorance of history and the foundations of our real freedoms is no excuse either. Mm. Okay. Mm. Let me ask you, Jim Wallace, mm. uh, based on those sorts of understandings, uh, there is going to be a debate. Not a lot of optimism coming from anyone I talk to that the laws will change and there'll be uh, the sorts of freedom protections that we might all hope for. But while there is a lengthy debate going on over the coming year and perhaps even beyond, does this create an opportunity in the public domain to to shape freedom expectations of Australians? So is it going to be important over this coming year to actually be standing up and arguing the point? Yes, no, it is very much because, uh, you know, very, very closely linked to uh, religious freedom is freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, freedom of association, you know. In fact, they're, they're all of their, in their own right essential to religious freedom as well. So we're talking about here something or freedoms which are, are not only specific to the uh, Christian community, we're uh, talking about freedoms which have much broader um, application. I might say too that, uh, you know, uh, John spoke there quite rightly about uh, uh, mob rule, for instance, you know, where people have to be free from mob rule and uh, that uh, minorities in particular need that protection. Now, uh, it's very interesting that uh, an analysis has been done by some academics in America has uh, looked at uh, how the church should respond to the situation they find themselves in there, which of course is about five years, probably three years further down the track than we are in terms of the um, constraints on religious freedom. And uh, the reality is that uh, we've never been in a situation where this issue has been so sharp, you know, because the advent of social media means that uh, we can now have mob rule <laughs> by a very small number, right? even a minority 
uh, on social media, and we saw this, and Kiralee's referred to it, uh, we saw this uh, very much during this uh, same-sex marriage debate. So what we have is we have social media, which, which uh, effectively uh, uh, runs a mob rule sort of campaign, even though it's coming from a very small number of people. That then goes very quickly into the media, uh, which on so many of these issues is more disposed to that, uh, that uh, you know, left... I've got to say, uh, left and so-called progressive agenda. Uh, and then uh, once that happens in the media, you've then got that affecting disproportionately the lawmakers. I mean, it's been said these days that uh, once uh, in democracy, uh, probably only in the order of 30 years ago, p politicians used to be trying to meet the, the um, uh, requirements and demands of their constituents. Now, politicians try to meet the the demands of the media right? because that's that's just the way it works. That's what they have to do, and the media is invariably activated uh, and orchestrated, you might say, by social media. So we we really do need now uh, we need Christians to actually get in there and realise that if social media and media are largely going to be uh, or have an antipathy to uh, the Christian worldview then we have to be influencing the law directly. And I'm hoping that at the summit uh, this week, that some of our speakers, I'm sure they will, uh, will emphasise that uh, this um, need to actually influence the law is, is, is uh, you know, more critical uh, than ever before because of the advent of social media, its effect on media, and the fact that we've reversed or we've replaced the constituents as the people that the politicians uh, respond to uh, by the media. Well, this is the sort of wisdom and insight uh, that those who attend the Church and State Summit next week in Brisbane. It's on the Friday and Saturday, 23rd and 24th of February. I understand there are still places available. You can register at churchandstate.com.au. Uh, our three guests today, Jim Wallace, Kira Lee Smith and John Anderson, are all on the lineup of those speakers who are a part of that gathering. Uh, also on the agenda, Martin. Isles, the newly appointed Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Wendy Francis will also be speaking there, a regular on 2020. Brendan Malone, who is the Head of Education and Media for Focus on the Family in New Zealand. And uh, Dave Pello, uh, the host of Pello Talk, are also on the agenda. There are a lot of great speakers and there'll be a lot of tremendous insights. As I say, there are still some places available, churchandstate.com.au for those who are around southeast Queensland or those who are wanting to even fly from interstate to be a part of that particular summit. Uh, we're back with more in just a few moments to tie some loose ends together. Our special guests, Jim Wallace, Kira Lee Smith and John Anderson. Back with more in a moment. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Special guests, Jim Wallace, retired Army Brigadier, Kira Lee Smith, founder of Halal Choices, and John Anderson, former Deputy Prime Minister and former leader of the National Party of Australia, uh, three of those who will be a part of the lineup at the Church and State Summit next week in Brisbane. Just a few minutes remaining in our conversation. Sometimes I get the feeling when we talk like this 
that listeners, uh, some, may be influenced. Uh, and while I keep encouraging people, speak up, uh, others might be thinking, well, this sounds a little bit too hard. Uh, perhaps I'll uh, creep a little further into my foxhole. Uh, let me ask you, uh, first of all, Jim Wallace, uh, a few brief thoughts on, on how people ought to approach the coming changes in Australian society, uh, fearfully or with some new level of courage. No, look, I, I've uh, just, uh, over the last year, uh, gone through the chronological Bible, you know, and uh, I've just been reminded of the uh, rhythms that we see in the Old Testament, you know, of uh, Israel um, abiding God and following God and then not, you know. So th- this is a normal rhythm uh, because of the nature of man, you know. So we, we shouldn't lose hope. Um, at the same time, I, I think... Um, that a lot of people out there who are listening to you today will be thinking, well, God hasn't called me to politics. And I say, that's great. Get on with what God's called you to, for sure, you know. But if in any way God has called you to uh, a desire to influence the public square uh, with Christ, uh, then I'd really say that uh, uh, you should go out there with hope, but also go out there armed. And I think uh, attending a summit uh, would be a very good way of doing that. Kiralee Smith from Advocacy and raising profile on some challenges that you've been looking at with Halal Choices to moving into a political aspiration. What are your thoughts on the way you hope that Australians might respond to the changes coming? Well, yeah, my, my, I have a lot of hope, otherwise I wouldn't be here. Uh, I'm, I'm moved into this sphere because I think that we can make a difference. Um, I believe that one of God's core values is freedom. You know, he, he gave Adam and Eve freedom in the garden. There was consequences of their choices, but always freedom. And we've seen that throughout history. And uh, Jesus died on the cross, and that was for our freedom, so that we could choose or reject him. There's consequences either way. Uh, but I have a lot of hope for that freedom. And wherever a people have surrendered their freedoms, we, they end up with totalitarian governments, and that doesn't go well at all. Um, freedoms are forfeited, are removed. Um, we still have a lot of freedom here in Australia, and I think we need to celebrate that, and I think that we need to uh, rejoice and stand in the fact of those freedoms that those are all, they're a reflection of who God is, that is his character to extend freedom and to defend freedom. And so when we do anything in Christ, there's no weapon formed against us that can prosper. So I, I'm full of hope for the future of, of this country. And, um, and I, do, I also have seen a great coming together of many denominations, churches, Christians of all flavours, uh, particularly through the same-sex marriage campaign. And I think now that we need to uh, continue to love one another, but also love our fellow countrymen enough that uh, we can believe Corinthians when it says, you know, that love always protects and endures, it overcomes, love never fails. So that, that's where my hope is in. It's in him. And John Anderson, uh, politics has always been rough and tumble. Is this a new rough and tumble season that perhaps is an invitation to those Christian believers not to be sidelined, uh, but to in fact engage more effectively in the political process? I think at every turn we need to reflect uh, the Christ who gives us a sure hope uh, and uh, he warned us that this would be part of what we'd face uh, in many ways we're hated not for ourselves but for him but he loved anyway so we must love anyway no matter what the cost I think in these uncertain times and I fear they may in fact become even more difficult uh, people will be looking, not so much at what people say, frankly, but how they live and how they love. Mm. And we need to make sure that we are being faithful. 
And as a church, we're on display, aren't we? And uh, displaying and reflecting uh, the image of Christ. And uh, that'll be an important aspect to always consider in the rough and tumble of times to come. I want to say thank you so much to our three guests today who will all be a part of the Church and State Summit that's on in Brisbane next Friday and Saturday, 23rd and 24th of February. Still places available, churchandstate.com.au. Our three guests today are just three of a long lineup of a who's who of guests who will be a part of that Church and State Summit who will reflect their area of expertise and be talking to and networking with those who are in this culture war battle. I encourage you to go to churchandstate.com.au, find out about that summit, and be part of it if you can. Uh, to Jim Wallace, to Kiralee Smith, and to John Anderson, I want to say thank you very much for being a part of 2020 today. I look forward to talking to you all in the not-too-distant future. Thank, thank you. you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.